0: Travel is really therapeutic. We lose ourselves when we travel, in a good way, because we end up finding ourselves. When we
1: have novel experiences, it has a very big impact on our mental health and our happiness. We really do boost our happiness when we're traveling.
2: Welcome to Live Well and Thrive, a podcast recognizing the hard work, dedication, and diversity our team at Kaiser Permanente Northern California. I'm your host, Carrie Owen Pleats. Today we're here to talk travel. Research shows we sometimes enjoy the lead up to a trip through planning or just daydreaming more than we actually enjoy the trip itself. The same is true about memories of a trip. Hope for the future is essential to our well-being. At the same time, the US Travel Association reports we collectively leave, get this, 768 million vacation days, days unused each year. This is a huge missed opportunity, my listening friends, for new experiences and important time spent with loved ones. Today we're going to explore how travel, special occasions, and new experiences are encoded differently by the brain and how we all could benefit from spending a little more time awakening our senses to truly feel alive and well, mind, body, and spirit. I'm delighted to have Kim Grant, an accomplished travel writer, author, and content director who frequently explores the connection between travel and workplace well-being. Welcome Kim. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Great to have you. We are also joined by Dr. Katherine Wetzler, Regional Director of the Mental Health Training Programs, Counseling Centers and Staff Development in Northern California to help us understand how travel and special occasions activate different parts of the brain and help our overall well-being. Welcome Katherine.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here as well.
2: So before we launch into this topic, Catherine, can you tell us a little bit more to help us just understand why we remember holidays, vacations and other novel experiences so much more vividly than what we had for lunch yesterday or maybe an hour ago?
1: Yeah, that's a a really good question. As it turns out, our brains love novelty. And when we're doing something that we've never done before and have a new experience, our brain encodes that memory in a different way than it does from our regular routine. And let's that we are really routine oriented. All these day to day things that we kind of focus on, what we call our default network mode without getting too technical. Default network mode. Oh, goodness. <laughs> exactly. And a classic example of that is I could drive to the office from Oakland to Vallejo and have no recollection at all of that drive. Mm -hmm. And that's a classic example of how we get stuck in our head. We're so not present that we don't even know the things around us. But when we travel, different parts of the brain turn on. And so I'm going to use a few technical terms here just to kind of explain what's happening in the brain and how it's coding those memories differently. In our brain, we have the frontal part of the brain called the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, the frontal part of the brain is the most advanced part of the brain. And this is where, when we're being mindful, this mm-hmm. part of the brain lights up. So this gets activated when we're having novel experiences. And what it's doing is it's collecting all these inputs, our senses, our hearing, our smell, our touch. If it, there's an emotional component to it, that gets brought in. And it connects with another part of the brain called the hippocampus. It's like the librarian of our brain in a way. It's taking all these experiences and it's encoding them. And if there is an emotional component, our amygdala also gets connected and fires up a little bit. And you've probably heard about the amygdala. It's the fight or flight part of the brain. Mm -hmm. But in small doses, it gets activated and it helps encode these memories. It, It makes it much more vivid So these parts of the brain are all connecting, all the neurons are firing. And at the same time, we release dopamine a a neurotransmitter, a chemical messenger called dopamine. It's kind of our anticipatory feel-good drug. Mm -hmm. It works a lot with motivation and anticipation. So that's also flowing through the brain when we're doing novel things. And this tends to be why we remember those events that are new, but we don't remember what we did an hour ago.
2: Well, thank you so much. That happens all of the time. You get in the car and you get to your destination, you're like, how did I even get here? I'm like, <laughs> i like, yeah, you're absolutely right. So I love it. Thank you, Catherine, for explaining how I can still remember the sounds of the ocean and my kids' laughter from our last uh, vacation at the beach. But I truly could not tell you what I had for lunch yesterday. I have no idea. <laughs> So now, Kim, you've devoted your entire life to travel, both traveling and writing about it to make it more accessible for the rest of us. What started you on this journey and have it be a career other than what I might assume is, hey, I get to travel
0: and be paid for it, maybe? I don't know. Tell me about it. Yes, you can get paid for it. Well, I've been helping people spend their travel budgets, time and money, uh, wisely since the day after graduating from college, and we won't say how many... Years ago, that was. Uh, I had snagged a gig researching Vermont B B's for a new book, Best Places to Stay in New England, and mm-hmm. and I learned a good early lesson that best was completely subjective. What's best for mm-hmm. one person isn't necessarily best for another. I took that advance and headed to Europe for a couple of years to travel on ten dollars a day, and I basically caught the travel bug. When I got back, I thought, How can I keep this going? You know, how can I turn this lifestyle into a so called job? And It boiled down to answering the question, how can we stretch our time and money to make dreams a reality? Long story short, since then I've written like 50 guidebooks, my travel photography, I have built a couple of big travel websites, but these days I'm all about the ethos of my website, slow down, see more. So each time I help one person have an amazing day versus an average day or save them from having a mediocre meal, my work is Mm. done. It's super rewarding to be instrumental in bringing something that brings joy to so many people.
2: I love that, Kim. Can I ask, do you think you could still get around Europe for $10
0: a day? put a zero on
2: that, and you'd still might yeah. have a little problem. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's that's still very impressive. I'm <laughs> wondering about that. I'm like, oh, I got to read your backstory on that one. But I also love that it brings you joy by bringing joy to others. So, Catherine, you just got back from making memories. Tell us a little bit about your trip and when you first felt like you were actually on vacation.
1: Well, it's interesting. I had multiple different reactions and some of it was very surprising. I just got back from the family trip. I hadn't seen much of them because of COVID. Mm. So we booked this trip about five months ago. At the time, there's lots of excitement. We were going to new places. I was really excited about it and starting to plan and watch YouTube's on how to do two weeks vacation with carry-on luggage, right? Mm -hmm. What clothes do you need to take? So that was sort of the anticipatory stage, feeling good. Probably some dopamine was flowing at that point as you kind of get that anticipation going. And then I noticed I started waking up early in the morning and feeling this really panicky feeling, kind of a sense of dread. And I'd start focusing on little things like, well, what if they don't let me bring my carry on or there's no room on the plane, what's going to happen? And all these tiny, really inconsequential details started to come up Mm. and become a big blob of worry. I have traveled a lot throughout the course of my life. So this was a very different experience. I normally wouldn't even think about these things. And I started to wonder, what's going on here? Why am I getting so anxious? At one point, I wanted to cancel. Mm, Wow. And I probably would have canceled, yeah. But I thought, well, it's two weeks and hopefully it'll be over soon. (laughs) What I started to realize was that during COVID, I'd become so used to living in the bubble Mm -hmm. and being at home and being safe, but really isolating so much from life that the prospect of going to another country, of traveling on an airplane, which can be challenging, had become overwhelming. So I said to myself, okay, this is ridiculous. You'll probably enjoy it when you get there. But take the time to just be present. You know that the airport's going to be chaotic. You know that there's all these sort of hassles getting through security. Just stay present, stay in yourself, stay in your body, and it'll be fine. So I think when I first started to feel like I was on vacation was when we actually got to the house that we were staying in. And we were high up on a hill overlooking this beautiful lake and mountains, and it was a lovely house. At that moment, I felt, ah. I'm on vacation. Mm. I'm not going to think about work anymore. I'm
2: living vicariously through this (laughs) image
1: of yours. (laughs) It was beautiful. It was really lovely. And I think that was very calming.
2: Good. Welcome back. And it sounds like you maybe had a great time. How long did that vacation state of mind last for you?
1: Well, I think I'm still in it. I only got back on Saturday night. (laughs) Okay, good. My team said to me yesterday, oh, you look all glowy. So I guess I still got the vacation kind of glow going. How I maintain that in many ways is a couple of things. One is by remembering things that stand out to me. So the vivid images for me, I'm very much being in water. I love water, Mm. and I often imagine that I'm literally floating in the water. And I go back to that. My ears are underwater, and it's just pure peace Mm -hmm. in that moment. And also, it's an opportunity as well. I found to break habits because when I got back, a lot of the bad habits I'd developed, like snacking on chips late in the afternoon, I've been able to break some of those habits. And also, getting up earlier, heading out on my morning hike earlier. And it's only been a few days, so yeah. <laughs> we'll see
2: <leave. laughs> we'll that last. Great. Well, you mentioned all that anxiety that was building up from being isolated during COVID, even going on a staycation, like something local, not going all the way to Europe, but still there is this anxiety. Are you seeing that with people that you talk to, Catherine? I think so,
1: yes. Although it's a combination of some people like, oh, good, I'm out, I'm getting back on with my life, I'm going to all the places I couldn't go to. Yeah. And there are others a little like me, I think that three years is a long time. It's almost a lifestyle of being somewhat isolated, right? Uh Some people are really struggling with that and struggling with depression and other illnesses related to that. So there's been changes, and we've Mm -hmm. all changed a little bit as a result of this experience. Some of those changes are positive, but some might need a little bit of work. And sometimes we need to make a commitment to stretch ourselves a little bit to get back out into the world because it can be stressful. It's very safe in the bubble. For me, I just got very used to it. It just became the norm.
0: Yeah. Kim, what about you? Are you hearing the same thing? Well, yeah. For my colleagues, most of whom are, of course, professional travel writers, right? Oh, yeah. And during the pandemic, I actually was pretty fortunate to spend most of it on the Big Island in Hawaii. I was one of those weird people who flew when there were only three or four other people on a plane. On plane. And I had to go back and forth a couple of times to deal with my regular lives. So I had the experience of flying during the pandemic. And when my colleagues started flying professionally a couple of years later... A dozen of them called me because they, professional travelers, were really anxious. Like, I forget how to use the self-check-in kiosk. How much do I have to mask up? So even professional travelers had anxieties.
2: Yeah, thank you for sharing. Pandemic definitely impacted all of us. Let's see if we can make it practical for the listeners, whether it's a special trip or a special event, talk us through the mental and emotional states from planning the special occasion or trip, having the special occasion or going on that trip. And then when you get back into your daily routines, are there some practical tips you think we could deploy? Yeah, definitely. First of all, making
1: a commitment to do something different. It could just be going on a different hike somewhere you've never been before but making that commitment to yourself of putting yourself out there a little bit, challenging yourself, recognizing that there might be some anxiety, but more often than not, once you're on it, you'll be fine. When we're in the present moment, we are generally okay. We know how to solve problems. We know how to fix things. If something comes up, you deal with it. Mm -hmm. The problem is in our heads when we get so stuck up there and worrying about all the potential things, the catastrophic thoughts that we have that might happen, yeah, that often, more often than not don't occur. And if they do, We deal with it. That's the first step is just being mindful that there is anxiety, but challenging yourself to step out of your comfort zone. Do something different. Your brain will love you for it. It really does enjoy that novelty, that new experience. And as we talked at the beginning, there are things happening in your brain that support that, including the release of dopamine, which helps you feel good, right? And then I also think when you get back, how to maintain is planning, planning the next either event or trip or walk or hike, whatever it might be, start planning another one. There is a little bit like what you Kim was saying when you were, when you traveled the first time and that built up this, I really enjoy this. I want to do more of that. So stepping outside of your comfort zone, challenging yourself, and also connecting with other people. You don't have to travel overseas to do this. You could just be walking, going for a hike. You see somebody coming, make eye contact, smile at them. Yeah. They may or may not smile back, right? But you're making that human connection. And 95% of the time, they always smile back and they acknowledge you. And those those little moments may seem very simple, but they can have a very profound effect on our mood for that moment. Get through the first challenge, maybe the second challenge, and then you may find yourself actually looking forward to doing something different because you experience that well-being that comes with that.
2: I love yeah. that,
0: Catherine. That's great. Kim, were you going to add anything? I could. Yeah, go ahead. I would jump into adding three sort of practical points. The, the first is to take an incremental approach. We've talked about a little bit about staycations. That's that's where people can start. You know, it, it can be super tough to disconnect from screens and notifications. But no matter how important we think we are. Our workplace is not going to crumble if we take a day or two off, right?
2: Yay, I'm, I'm clapping. That's fantastic. Yeah. It will not.
0: <laughs> Promise. We have to think of it as developing a muscle, right? Flex mm-hmm. it, use it, and it gets easier each time. And when we take a staycation, I'm not talking about doing chores around the house. I'm talking about <laughs> exploring your town like a visitor would. Imagine mm-hmm. you have a visiting friend. Show yourself around town like you would show them around town. Take that hike, try that new restaurant, check out the new shops on XYZ Street. Sometimes I just go hang out in a hammock in my backyard on a Wednesday. And a funny thing happens because on a Thursday, I then feel kind of raring to go. Like the daily grind doesn't feel like a grind. Yeah. From staycations, we can sort of graduate to weekend getaways. Mm -hmm. Much easier to plan than a full-blown week-long vacation. And the stakes aren't as high. They're only two or three days, not a week or 10 days. I always recommend road trips because they're way less stressful than getting on an airplane. After you start building all those great memories, you know, like we've been talking about from the past weekends, you suddenly start finding yourself planning week-long trips, Mm -hmm. and you ask to use those accrued vacation days that you've left on the table because you're feeling happier having traveled. Other people around you are probably reflecting that back to you. It's infectious, right? Your serotonin levels, that stuff that creates those long-lasting feelings of happiness and well-being, those levels are going to demand it of you. Travel is really therapeutic, we lose ourselves when we travel in a good way because we end up finding ourselves. When we give ourselves space to evaluate goals or values or aspirations, I think we gain a clear sense of self with a capital S. Mm. Again, it's that ethos of slow down, see more. Right. You know. At home, my time is practically entirely spoken for when I wake up. All those little blocks, On my iCal are filled with color-coded projects and tasks. I think a lot of people can relate to that, (laughs) yeah. When I travel, those blocks of times aren't pre-populated. Time really slows down when I'm making conscious decisions about how I spend each hour of a day on vacation. Mm -hmm. Lastly, when we travel, we come face-to-face with newness everywhere, right? Even when we return to a favorite place, Mm -hmm. we're different. So that place is different. And when we travel, we're exposed to new cultures and traditions and perspectives, or or maybe we're trying to learn a new skill, you know, by taking a cooking class or language lessons or doing some kind of volunteerism. So inadvertently or not, we're out there embracing open-mindedness. And we have to flex interpersonal skills, right? We have to get along, maybe be more patient, listen more. It makes me feel more alive.
2: Oh, I love that. There's so many things you just said, Kim, that are just so fantastic. One thing that jumps up in particular is being on the hammock on a Wednesday makes you so much more energized on that Thursday. And sometimes people feel, I don't know, a sense of guilt when they take time off. And I've had this experience with leaders who feel guilty about going on vacation or I'm still going to check email along the way. And I'm like, no, because when you're able to take a step back, then you really start to engage your higher brain and it makes you a better leader. It makes you a better human. It just opens up the potential that ends up making you a better team member when you come back to work. So it should be something that's celebrated and actually strongly encouraged because if you don't do that, then you're going to end up being depleted and you're not going to bring your full self to work in the first place. So Kim, thank you very much for sparking that for me, that Wednesday hammock, Thursday recharge, (laughs) even it's an hour on the hammock. Catherine, can you tell me a little bit more of how you would look at the link between travel and special events and overall well-being and physical and mental health? I think that's imperative. Take their vacations and do
1: it regularly and to turn off because I did not take my phone, not my laptop. Mm-hmm. I, I did cut right. off. And... I didn't think about work while I was away. And when I came back, I really, really felt much more energized. And that's a really super important point. If you can just allow yourself, the world will not fall apart generally just because you go away for a vacation and what you get back is so much greater than what you lose. And there's actually studies to show that even though we try to encourage people to do things in a regular way, like go to bed at a regular time. At the same time, the research also shows that when we have novel experiences, it has a very big impact on our mental health and our happiness, and that we really do boost our happiness when we're traveling.
2: And both of you have mentioned that it doesn't have to be a trip to Europe to have the same effect. You can have an amazing trip to Europe, but you also can get out in your local area, but have a novel experience. I was talking to somebody who has lived in San Francisco for a long period of time and had never gone to Alcatraz or maybe it's going to Angel Island or maybe it's just walking across the Golden Gate Bridge or maybe it's seeing the seals down at the piers. So it doesn't have to go too far to have that wonderful ability to reduce your stress, to reduce your anxiety, make social connections, foster those relationships. So, Kim, tell me a little bit about the role that nature plays, in particular, traveling and including nature into the experience.
0: I don't think it's a coincidence that so many of us flooded to state and national parks and bought RVs during the pandemic because we gain the sense of wonder when we're in nature. We're standing at these jaw-dropping breathtakingly beautiful landscapes or marveling at some mind-blowing historical site and these experiences are linked to an increased well-being a sense of connectedness to the world around us and that's what the data shows us but more importantly that's what we feel so we know it with a capital k and science shows us that our most creative thoughts Come when we're not actively thinking about solving a problem. When mm-hmm. we're out walking, answers arrive. Mm-hmm. And my experience confirms that 100%. When we're in the moment, those senses are heightened, which is always an important thing for conscious living. It originates in nature for so many of us.
1: I know that to be true because that's what I do. I take morning walks. That's really the start of my day because that's when all the answers come to me. And Mm. I don't force it as I'm trying to solve a novel problem. Just let my, my mind go and I'm walking in nature. And that's when it happens. We do something where we're comfortable, particularly in nature, where we're disconnected from the computer, the phone. Oftentimes, that's when our best and most creative ideas come up. And I know that absolutely from experience. I
2: I love this. So actually traveling and having a novel experience, it's the antithesis of guilt. It's actually required. So you do your Mm -hmm. best thinking. If you've got a big problem, get out in nature and it'll come to you. Thank you so much for sharing. Now I'm going to go hit the trails. (laughs) (laughs) So I also end each podcast episode asking the same question of all of our guests. What one piece of advice do you have for our team to help them heal and rebound from the pandemic? Go ahead, Katya. I would say make a commitment to yourself
1: to stretch and commit to doing one new thing. Just start with one new thing and see how that goes. And then you may find that you start doing more than one new thing once you start to get into it. But make that first step to doing something that you have not done before. Do something that takes you out of your regular
2: routine. Thank you, Catherine. Kim, what would you say?
0: Well, something similar. It's a beautiful, diverse country and planet. And we put one foot in front of the other, right? Right take that first step. So, you know, go forth, have some amazing days, experiences, and it really does help us thrive, right? That's what this podcast is all about. And it it's really true.
2: Awesome. I'd like to thank again our two esteemed guests, Dr. Katherine Wetzler and Kim Grant for sharing their work on this truly important topic. Thank you again for being on Live Well and Thrive. Thank you so
1: much for having me. It was great.
2: I had a lot of fun, actually.
1: Thank
0: you very much. It was a blast. See you on the trails. (laughs) Alcatraz. Alcatraz, Alcatraz, (laughs)
2: Katherine. All right. We're all going to Alcatraz. (laughs) As always, I invite you to share what's on your mind. Ask a question or suggest a topic or guest. Send it to livewellandthrive at kp.org. And whether you're listening on your commute or during your walk in nature, keep those comments coming. And of course, I'd like to thank you, our listener, for tuning in to Live Well and Thrive, a podcast recognizing the hard work, dedication, and diversity of our team at Kaiser Permanente. I'm
0: Carrie Owen-Pleets, and we'll see you next time.